I'm your Captain Jay. And I'm your Captain Jamie. Jamie, how you feeling? <laughs> I'm surviving. <laughs> let's let's see if I can talk about things that aren't running anime. <laughs> well, gee, gee whiz, what happened? <laughs> One of my favorite animes ended yesterday. And I'm oh. just, it's so good. And that's all I've been able to think about. But One Piece, though. <laughs> Anyway, watch Run with the Wind. It's funny because on my Twitter, I saw someone who was retweeting Run with the Wind stuff, and I assumed it was you, and was surprised to find that it wasn't. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> so other people, as it turns out, other people like this anime too. It's good. <laughs> so today's gonna be a little weird anyway, despite, you know, my... Your emotional... My emotional state at the moment. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a little, these volumes are a little weird, and I know we say that a lot. But yeah, so over the last two weeks, we've been reading volumes 28, 29, and 30, and they're just fighting. <laughs> they're like, it's just fighting. It's, it's a mess of things going on. It's a lot of like really short fights and a lot of ones with like a lot of people and it's hard to keep straight. And so this week, we're kind of just going to wing it. We're going to just talk about whatever we feel like talking about. Yeah, and we're going to see how that goes. Yeah. So, last we left off, there was basically a war in the clouds. I We have these three factions, more or less, that are kind of facing off in the upper yard. It's all kind of coming to a head. It's all it's all coming together. Uh, something that I really liked is that the challenges that we were introduced to, like, two volumes ago, are finally relevant. <laughs> like... They, so, so last, I want to say it was, I think it was in 27 or 26, Luffy, Sanji, and Usopp, like, they find themselves in the challenge of the ball, and ooh, they're gonna, oh, they're gonna have to do all of these challenges. No, they, they had to do one, and then they skipped through the rest. And then suddenly, later down the line, oh, I guess these powers and stuff and things and, yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, there's that thing they mentioned before. Something something survival rate like I uh, it, it it was just it was just a little bizarre I I don't know what if, if I don't know if you could consider it a subversion of expectations <laughs> or if if Oda was just like nah I'm not gonna do this anymore I changed my mind we'll just make this part of the battle <laughs> just shove it later yeah. it's good ideas but whatever that's honestly one of my favorite things that happens in anime when uh, manga artists like clearly have an idea of where they're gonna go. Or they've just kind of overthought it, just kind of... Yeah. Are they? Yeah, exactly. They overthink it. Like, oh, here's a concept! <laughs> or like an anime where they're they're basing it off of a manga, and in the anime, they set up, like, the first event really, really, like, really in-depth, and then they have to kind of speed through the last one. It's like, ones oh, no. Oh, no. Oops. We gotta go. We gotta go. Because the manga is, like, 50 volumes long, but they're only making the anime 21 episodes. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> this big old battle breaks out, and Anel is up there just seeing it as a game. Yeah, you know, like evil gods do. He's like pointing his toes at people, and. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I like I like that that's the thing that sticks with you. I love those little gestures of his. Like he's just he's smiling and he's eating a banana and being weird. He's a villain with a lot of character and it's kind of bizarre. He's playful, at least at first. It, it, it's weird because throughout these three volumes, one of the things that I found interesting is that he kind of just shows up and then leaves a lot. Yeah. Um, like, he shows up, he threatens, and then he, he sparky sparky boo mans, and then he's just kind of gone. <laughs> okay, so Jay, I'm really curious. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Oda Tech? All of these little things that he comes up with that are kind of gimmicky. Do you mean like, do you mean like the dials? Yes. Okay. Um, I love them personally. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, so, so yeah, so this is like a common thing in anime where, uh, like anime and manga where, um, a concept is introduced, but it needs to be explained. Um, he couldn't just say like, these, these snail shells have, are magic. These snail shells can do things. We had to sit and, like, through a demonstration of how shit is, how this thing works, and why. I don't know, maybe it's a it's a personal thing. I don't know. But I, I don't, I'm not really interested in that sort of thing. Like, yeah, it, like no. I said, it's kind, like I said, like, it kind of feels gimmicky. I'm like, is this really contributing anything to it? But I guess it's just, it's just neat. It's just there to be like, hey... Yeah, and I mean, I can I can sort of uh, sympathize with that. I mean, I can sort of understand why Oda would feel the need to do that. Like the burn bazooka, like he, they go through the trouble of explaining how this thing works, and it's like, dude, it, if he had just shot a thing of fire out of a gun, I wouldn't have questioned yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> like you're you got a guy made of rubber and a dude who can wield three swords. I, I don't need to understand the exactly how your fucking bazooka works. Yeah, there's there's a little part of me that feels like sometimes it feels a little contrived. I will say, one of the things that drives me nuts about this, though, is so they they make a big deal about Wiper's um, reject dial. And it is explained that using a reject dial is so powerful that it will destroy the person who's using it. However, they're using dials in, like, a lot of machines and stuff. So why not, like, attach it to a weapon or something? Like, buddy, why do you gotta... Why you gotta why use you it have with it your hands? Why do you have it strapped to your hand, you idiot? Like, what are you doing? Like, put it on something. You're good. Just put it on a stick. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> in, in all of this chaos, uh, there's goat people, I guess. <laughs> okay. Okay. These goat people make me real uncomfortable. I gotta say... It makes me laugh. So it, it actually, the goat people actually sort of remind me of the goats in uh, Catherine. Yeah. And, Tell me and about it. The, I haven't played Catherine. Uh, oh, in Catherine, um, you're trapped in a dreams at night and you have to climb and it doesn't matter. The point is, is that in the dreams, people look like sheep. Okay. Um, Cause that's, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what this, this, <laughs> this clever visual metaphor is supposed to be. They're sheep. You get it? Yeah. Like, like the flock, etc. I swear to God, there's... I, I, some of the visual language that's being used throughout this arc is like reading a comic that was written by some 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 smart-ass atheist guy on Reddit. Oh, no, it really does. It really does. Like, oh, you oh, get no, it? Oh, no, I'm with there's you sheep. on that. There's, like, I love this arc, 
But it's pretty damn hokey. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things are used, like, really just shallowly. And not really that deep a thought about it. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that I don't think it's... it's I don't think it's intentionally meant to be deep, though, is the thing. I, I think it's meant to be shallow because it's kind of just set dressing for the arc, for the for the, for the the setting itself. Yeah, I don't, like, I'm, <laughs> in addition to that, I don't feel like I'm the right person to talk about it, but even the Shandians are like, uh, Yeah, I, <laughs> actually, yeah, that's a good point. Um <sighs> Anyone else get the impression that Oda might have an opinion about the colonization of North America? There's a there's a part where Ganfor is having a flashback and he's thinking about this moment, this thought that he had while he was a uh, a uh, a uh, Kami of like, what if we're the bad guys? And so I was like, okay, all right, okay. Now I know. Now I understand the the whole uh aesthetic of the shandians is not i guess not just a fluke no <laughs> it was very intentional yeah <laughs> oh hey he actually uses maps in a way that's kind of helpful for once <laughs> by showing how badly everyone fucked up <laughs> <laughs> it, it helps that it's just you know really just direct it's just yeah everybody got lost the end Robin is the only one who made it there. Chopper makes it there kind of on accident. <laughs> Luffy gets eaten by a snake. And Zoro's a fucking idiot. <laughs> Actually, getting into that... Let's get um, in it. I'm fucking blown away by the extra levels of just kind of dumb that jo- Zoro demonstrates. Again. In these, in these chapters. Oh my lord. It's that so boy. bad. He's trying his best. <laughs> So, so first off, we get him thinking that he's being really clever by putting his goggles on to avoid, like, what, it's like a flashbang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of some type. He's like, oh, yeah, you can go to get me, and, like, just puts his goggles on. And his goggles aren't shaded at all. No, yeah. And the villain is just like, what are you doing? He sees through it immediately. <laughs> immediately! Mean, even, even before that, the reason he got lost is because he saw in the map that the eye was on the right side of the head and thought if i just keep going right <laughs> zoro like, there's okay there's like personality quirk like it's been set up so far that zoro has a quirk where he has a really bad sense of direction but there's quirk and then there's just like really dumb and i i think it's that's it's not great it's not a great look it's not a great look zoro <laughs> i love it though i love that this this super tough guy He's so powerful. He's, He's so, so powerful. And honestly, he has moments of like a type of intelligence. <laughs> but but we'll call him book dumb, I guess. <laughs> and it's funny because we've talked we talked in the past before a ton about uh is Luffy an idiot and we come to the conclusion like no, he's just he's not really stupid. He's just He just doesn't slow down. He has such a free spirit that he doesn't really care. And so he comes off as kind of childish and kind of dumb. Zoro's a completely different... And he's not even, like, a meathead. He's just kind of a doofus. <laughs> anyway. Like, after... Okay, and then after this, like, mishap with his goggles, he goes into some speech. He starts spouting poetry. After making an ass of himself. 
Like, what? It, what? It feels so out of nowhere. It's like he stopped in the middle of the fight and started quoting, like, a his favorite political quote. Like, his, he started quoting, like, Wait, his favorite- Wait, can I favorite... read it? Can I read this? Yeah. Uh, in a lifetime, there's 36 earthly desires. Right now, I have a cannon aimed right at you. You are a pistol. I am a cannon. And in timing and power, I, and my weapon will win. I swear to God, it's like a copy pasta. It's, it's <laughs> you like did the... well, but now you die. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's it's like one of those uh, like the when you were having premarital sex, I was mastering the blockchain. <laughs> like, okay, so what he's so what he's actually referencing, I believe is a buddhist concept ah but the the way that it is written like which is which like what he's saying is fine but the way that it is written i and i guess translated is it just sounds so awkward and so sudden it really does it really just makes him sound like kind of a douchey teenager which i guess he is (laughs) (laughs) it just i mean like especially since it was the page after he just made a doofus of himself (laughs) Exactly. Like, whoa, you can't take that back, Cs. <laughs> so kind of an important plot point that we learned from Robin is that there's a hole in history. Oh, yeah, the hundred year gap. And this is where we kind of get an interesting turn from like, oh, something kind of ominous with the authority figures in this in, in this government. And it turns out like, oh, wait, actually, there seems to be a huge conspiracy that's something. <laughs> and she is very invested in it. She's, yeah, she's she's definitely, it, it's, she, we also find that, uh, we also find out that she's, she has a lot of respect for historical sites. And she, she talks about, like, the idea of, you know, if those who don't heed the past are doomed to repeat it, you know, that kind of idea. Um, when she beats up uh, Yama, specifically because he was destroying the ruins um, and it's kind of the first thing we really see her get really passionate about. So yeah. far, she's kind of just been following the crew. She got very heated at the disrespect of these artifacts. Yeah. Want to say that Gadatsu is very cute and strange. <laughs> he's such a weird character that is kind of... He's here... Like, all of all of the vassals are kind of bizarre. They don't really follow a specific theme... Their their power's all kind of weird. Like, we have the Sky Breeder, but he just kind of has a dog, and his actual, like, attacks have nothing to do with breeding. And then one guy who looks like the Red Baron, and he f- flies on a vulture, and also has a flame spear. Like, it's... It's just kind of a lot of whatever. And then Ball Challenge Boy, who's just a ball, and is weird... Oh, and then also he's a triplet. There's just like the I, the va- They're just weird. There's a lot of weird characters that are just there and then they, not. They, they don't. Yeah, they're kind of just a mess. In yeah. This arc, I feel. Um, it kind of gets the same way with the Shandians a little bit. The the Shandians are way more uh like fleshed out and like like characters. They're way more like characters, but at the same time there's a there's a lot of them are, that are clearly meant to be side characters that are clearly meant to be red shirts. But it seems like Oda's trying to get you to get attached to them, like by like giving them giving you them their specific names and like clearly demonstrating their connection to Wiper, but at the same time it's also like 
I know I'm not going to end up caring about these guys. Yeah, you know, now that you <laughs> mention it, it probably would have been nice to just, like, cut down on some of the villains a little bit. And just put more stakes into some of these battles. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Especially I, with the Shandians. Yeah. I, I feel like I would have appreciated that more. I, I guess... I want to I want to guess that maybe since the last big showdown was very organized, like everyone split off and had their own little fight, maybe Oda was feeling like I'm gonna make this one a little bit more organic and more chaotic. Yeah. Uh, to so that it doesn't feel so contrived, because this does feel like a brawl in the jungle where they're just kind of running into people and there's no there's three factions and no allegiances and so everyone's just fighting each other. It is a mess. And it's a freaking mess. But uh, in the middle of this, uh, Chopper tries to gather up some courage and wants to, like, be a really good fighter like the rest of the crew. And I really liked his line, like, trying yeah. to amp himself up, like, saying, like, it's time I step up and raise the pirate's flag. It was such a good line! Yeah. He calls himself a monster. And you know that what he's saying and is- And yelling, I'm strong. And yelling he's strong. And you know what he's saying is, I'm like Luffy. I'm gonna be like Luffy. Because that was how he was introduced to Luffy, with oh. Sanji telling him that he's a monster. Oh, you're right! It's so cute! Oh! <laughs> yeah. Oh! It, it's, this actually becomes a kind of a big part of Chopper's journey, where um, after he ate the human-human fruit, he, 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 he didn't belong anywhere because he was a monster, quote-unquote. Um, and he got treated very, very badly because he was quote-unquote a monster. And so this idea that he, he joins Luffy's crew and that being a monster is something that's empowering and not something to be ashamed of is, like, a huge part of his character arc. And he kind of pulls from that. He kind of refers to that a lot throughout his journey of, like, referring to himself as a monster. and But it being, like, a, like a, a positive mm, thing. That's so satisfying. It is, it is really satisfying. It's really cute. Chopper's a sweet little thing. Um, and when he, oh my god, okay, actually, when, (laughs) we talked before about how Zoro's, and we we see a lot of examples of Zoro being a doofus in these three volumes, but one of the other things that we see a lot of is him really acting like a crew member Mm -hmm. who cares about his other crew members. He gets fucking mad when he finds Chopper all beat up. He says something like, uh, he he doesn't. I, I don't like to fight with a motive, but I, yeah. I I can feel one coming on, um, because a, a huge part of his 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 character is the idea that he's he's fighting for the sake of fighting. Like, swordsmanship is is about honor for him. Like, it's it's about swordsmanship for him is about swordsmanship. It, it it's not like a means to an end. It it, it is I the means. I feel like there's also it is the end. well in this situation. I feel like there's also a little bit of like I think he just felt protective of. Chopper, especially, because he is not as you know. Of course, well, he's the he's the crew's little brother, and that and that's what I mean is that because that's another thing about Zoro is that he doesn't hold it. it he doesn't hold it against other people when they aren't as strong as him. Oh, and that's a good. Oh, that, oh. <laughs> oh. anyway, that's, yeah, it's an interesting observation. That... Yeah, because I mean, he's he's. The way that he treats Chopper and Usopp is he doesn't he doesn't make fun of them or criticize them for not being physically strong. Um, he has respect for them because they are good at other things. But, and then he also has the understanding, oh, Chopper isn't as strong as me. I'd like to think that Chopper 
Chopper running off and then getting hurt, he might feel maybe a little guilt because if he was there, that wouldn't have happened. I, I'm really lost in that thought of uh, Zoro doesn't treat people that aren't as, like, on his level of strength. They're not any lesser than him. Um, yeah. Which is such a trait, and I think often in macho, strong characters like that. Yeah. They're that's, like, get that's... up on my level. You need to be stronger. Yeah. You know? That's that's why I that's one of the reasons why I like him so much and and that's why it's something that develops into his relationship with uh his friendship with Chopper and Usopp specifically, um, uh because they both like Usopp especially has insecurities about not being as physically strong as Luffy and Zoro, um and later you'll see you'll see that uh uh you'll see that back and forth between Usopp feeling insecure about his strength. But Zoro clearly not holding that against him, despite being this clearly the one of the strongest people in the crew. Mm, that's fantastic. <laughs> mm. Some some good character stuff. Mm. Mm. I have I have one small note here, um, and that is that uh, Konus and Pagaya are adorable. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so like there's a there's a the moment where they're like playing the the triumphant music. They don't know how to be in a battle or, like, fight, so they just don't know what to do. And so, like, oh, we need to feel triumphant, so let's, let's, shall we play the music? Like, it's, they're just really cute. They are. They're very sweet. They're very innocent, which I feel is very appropriate considering the, the, uh, considering the iconography that is in their character designs with the, with the angel wings and whatnot. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so to continue the Zoro appreciation station, um, he's very especially like fuck God. <laughs> he he doesn't he's like this guy. mess, and he's like the one. Like he's the one guy that's like, no, fuck this, fuck you. Fuck this. Oh God, yeah. You know what? You're right. I hadn't really thought about that, but that's that's definitely true. He said he's had on a couple of different moments. Sorry, he's had a couple of different moments where he's where he's mentioned like, I don't pray to the kami or some yeah yeah no this like is that. this isn't just now happening he's been doing that through this yeah arc. <laughs> yeah there's oh man the the final kind of showdown between Anel and the last survivors of the fight mm. uh it's so it's so he's it, so it, fucking it, crazy. It reminds me of those D and D like boss fights where you t- your whole party TKOs, and you have to be saved by an NPC or something. <laughs> that NPC is Luffy, <laughs> be- because it because because the people who are there are pretty strong. Like Zoro's there. Yeah, this and, team is no joke. The, the the people who are yeah, and but they just have, they have no. There's just there's nothing they can do. There's like. Uh, uh, Robin even mentions like the 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 devil fruit that he has is one of the few considered to be invincible, which is very ominous. And he and he just deals with them very quickly. There's very little like fanfare to it, where he just kind of takes them out and they're dead. They're well, they're down. I sure like how uh, his lethal lightning strikes sure don't really seem to kill many people. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, no, the, you see, they're they're too strong of will, oh. or some or some anime bullshit. I don't know. I I also really love how uh, after after he takes out Robin and Ganfor and Wiper and Zoro, 
um, Nami shows up because, of course, um, Anel knows she's there. And she's just immediately like, no, I'll go with you. (laughs) (laughs) And I love this because it totally highlights, like, it, it... Because it's one thing to make your anime all about fighting and then have that be, like, the ultimate, uh, um, like, virtue is just being strong. Like, what we were talking about before is, is like, making being strong, being able to defeat people, yada, 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 bravery in a fight, bravery. Like, that's the, that's the epitome of, of, like, strength of will and, and bravery. In Nami's case, she's, she's just trying to find a way out of the situation. So she's totally cool with just going along with it as long as she has to because that is that's that's what she's good at is that she's she's good at being tricky and she's good at she's a survivor situations yeah she's a survivor and again like oda nobody really oda none of the characters really give her shit for that like no they don't yeah like she she's doing what she has to do and that's fine um wiper is a different kind of hero than we're used to He's got a lot of pride and anger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. A lot of the kind of side characters that show up in these arcs um, that kind of end up being allied with the Straw Hats do end up being kind of uh, like like Vivi, like um, like Ganfor. Like, they're, they're more humble and they're more, they're more passive. But you're right. Wiper's like, fuck everything. Fuck you. I'm doing this. He's being very <laughs> reckless. Yeah, he's always oh, yeah exactly. He's super reckless. We got a big old reveal of that uh, arc maxim. <laughs> hey, an arc. More religious symbolism. Yeah. <laughs> it's massive. But yeah, things are bad, and uh, I think that this is an interesting situation because he is literally like we're we're getting like a. As far as this little island's concerned, an end-of-the-world situation? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. It's it's very... This guy's already done this to an island. It's it's super appropriate. It's super... It's super appropriate that our whole arc that is about uh, tyrannical gods um, and uh, uh, the difference between a forgiving god and an unforgiving god um, ends in a fucking Armageddon. <laughs> Wow, I did not think who, about who that. Could, who could have, yeah, who could have possibly seen this coming? <laughs> uh... His his sense of, like, I know, right? That fucking grow. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I never put any thought of, into this the first time I read through this arc, and now that I'm reading through it again, I'm just like, oh, man. This is, like, the least subtle thing. <laughs> And him saying shit like the Last Supper for the angels in the sky. I know. Okay. Uh, I, I for, for that stuff though, I wonder how much of that was the translation team going ham. <laughs> like, did Oda specifically reference the Last Supper? Or was that really just like the English translation team being going like, wait a minute, <laughs> I got an idea. How about Luffy getting uh, real terse with Nami there? Yeah. Like, he says straight to her, like, stop looking so pathetic. Like, you're a crew member of the future king of pirates. Yeah. Like, whoa, brutal Luffy. Like, whoa. Damn, Luffy. Where did that come out of? I mean, like, he was probably just trying to get her to snap out of it, and that was the best way he felt like he could do that, but... Yeah. Yeah, I I, I feel like the last thing that Luffy wants is for his crew to feel hopeless. 
because to him there's no reason to ever feel that way. It's also I will so we talked we talked a minute ago about uh uh how scary Enel is and how he he's invincible and how he he was able to take down kind of some of our strongest characters that we have like currently in in this in this arc just like with complete ease. Um, how heartbreaking was it when he finally got out of that snake and he found uh, Robin and Zoro just in a heap? Yeah, he knows he knows Robin can can take care of herself, and he definitely knows Zoro can take care of himself. Like that that was the one he was specifically that was the person he was specifically really upset about. Was like, how could this happen while you were here? Is basically what he says. Is because he's so blown away that this because he has no idea what Anel can do. I guess that sort of uh, uh, segues pretty nicely into the kind of, I, I, I guess, twist of this arc. Luffy is Anel's natural enemy. Yeah, hey, look out, rubber boy. It's interesting to watch this character that we were just told is pretty much invincible. Just get, like, the fight does not last long. It's not like with Crocodile where Luffy is fighting him for a while and it's like a really, br- like, rough brawl. As soon as he was able to work around the mantra... It was like they were. He was. Uh, Elnel was no match for him, which leads to a lot of really good panels. <laughs> like who knew Luffy could be maximum chaotic? Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Or it's like he, he doesn't even know what's going on. Oh God, this arc is something else. <laughs> we got into this last month, like getting so excited for like oh Nell and like oh they're in Skype. It's so it. It's so much fun, and then we're, like, actually reading into it, and it's like, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it is fun, though. I still, I oh, love no, this arc. Oh, no, it definitely arc. is. Oh, no, I I love this arc. Anel is such a unique character, and I feel like we'll get some more of that with the next volumes. Uh, I will have some opportunities to gush about him more. Because <laughs> he's a fucking weirdo. He's a lot. So, we end this off with things looking pretty bad. It's the end of the world. <laughs> As we know it. Actually, actually, there was a, uh, there was a short story that we didn't get into about, um, a certain very hungry <laughs> king. Wapple. Wapple. <laughs> I mean, there's not much to say about there's that, a... so. Yeah. Wapple, Wa- Wapple finds himself on an island, and then he becomes poor. Which is kind of a hobo, and then he uses his munch-munch powers to kind of make some toys. And it turns out kiddos like him, and then he, it kind of accidentally turns into this huge business. And he just slowly becomes, like, oh, an honest businessman. Back to just, like, a, a fucking monster. Like, there he goes. Okay. There he goes. I'm yeah. actually really I'm actually really sad that his story ended that way, because Wapple sucked. <laughs> Can't win them all. Can't win them all. Yeah. They, can't, they can't all be Hachans. He, I, I know, right? Like it wasn't even it wasn't even like a redemption story. It was just he's just a fucking just, monster, oh, and now he's yeah, he's still a monster, and now he gets to be rich. Cool, great, <laughs> fantastic. But now we got some Ace Adventures, yeah, which is fun. So I did it, Jay. I talked about One Piece <laughs> while still while your wounds are still yeah, fresh over instead over of running boys crying about the finish line oh and with that that about does it for us this week um next week's episode will be up on monday april 15th 
And we'll be covering volumes 31, 32, and 33. And you can check us out on Twitter, at Straw Hat Voyage. And from there, you can find a link to our Discord. Come chat with us. And whether you're reading along or a fan of the show. And just a fun fact for y'all. The intro and outro of our podcast is One Piece Opening 20 Hope Remix by Andreza Works and Akano. And you can check out more of their amazing anime covers and remixes on YouTube and find a link to download their song in our podcast description. Bye. I'm going to go back to crying about running anime. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Thank you. <laughs>